the Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of my Vanessa improvisation. I'm Ted DeMaison. I'm Lisa Rollins. We are your co-hosts. That was an improvised jingle. <laughs> Could you tell? No way. Uh, thank you so much for coming and listening. Today we are talking about positive reinforcement. A passion of Ted DeMaison's, an interest of mine. <laughs> Lots of P's in there. Positive yeah. passion. Yeah. It's kind of a cool subject. Yeah. And I think that in in sort of regular civic parlance, often misunderstood. But thankfully, there's a vocabulary lesson at the very beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. After we go over what a cool magic show I saw this weekend. Right. So we'll you'll do that for we'll do that first. You'll hear about the magic show, and then we'll dive into the vocabulary lesson, and then we'll get going with the episode. Heads up, there is a cool insight that we arrived to only in the outro of the episode. Stick around, people, and that's where you're going to get that insight. Yeah, that's right. It's all, it's actually one of my favorites. Okay, excellent. Well, I'm I'm excited for people to listen. Uh, I think we send them on their merry way. Get out of here. Go, people. Go. Enjoy. about to tell me a story before we, as I was setting up, yes. as we were setting up the equipment here, yes. about this magic show you went to. I went to a magic I show. I want to hear about it. This was one of the weirder, most fantastic nights I have had. It was totally amazing. This guy's name is Brad Barton, reality thief, is how he calls himself. <laughs> nice. And he performs in a full like suit and tie. <laughs> And he's wonder he's wonderful, like likable. His shtick is great. Yeah. He's like re- really funny. He's a great comedian, and he plays at this place called the Lost Church, which is on Cap Street between Fifteenth and Sixteenth. If you Google the Lost Church, you'll find it. I gotta. I want. I'm, I'm curious now. This. Yeah. So I went having no idea what to expect, except that this guy got a good review on, you know, some somewhere. I was like looking for something to. This was a, a Christmas gift for my dad. Okay. Nice. And dad loves doing sort of like off the beaten path things. And so I was like, oh, let's see if I can like cast around for like small performance venues or something. And I stumbled upon the Lost Church and I saw a review of Brad Barton, Reality Thief. And it was like, this guy is phenomenal, well worth the money. So I was like, okay, great. So let's go. And I didn't know what kind of magic to expect. I wasn't sure if it was all sleight of hand stuff, card stuff, whatever. And the stuff that like blew me away was what looked like clairvoyance. Mind reading. Mind reading stuff. Mind reading stuff. Where he would... He guessed all sorts of things. He made it a habit to guess right your sign of the zodiac immediately. Right? So I stood up and he was like, what's your name? And I was like, Lisa. And he's like, Sagittarius? Uh, yes. So So he did several things with several people, but here's the piece that, like, I was involved with that blew my effing mind. Uh, was... I stand up. I said my name. He heard my voice and was like, oh strong voice and I was like yeah and he goes you're in front of people a lot aren't you and I was like yeah and so that is not an impossible thing to guess when somebody has like a a projecting voice right Um, and I was like yeah and he goes oh but it's like your job like you do this a lot like it's very common and you're very comfortable with it and I was like yes and he goes public speaking and I was like like yes I teach public speaking and I'm a performer he goes oh what kind of performer improv okay so I told him I was an improviser he goes yeah. oh, you do improv around I was like yeah he goes okay I want you to think of someone you play with somebody you perform with that you're close to uh-huh. so in my mind I think Rafe Chase so <laughs> in my mind I'm thinking Rafe Chase I was like got it because I had just done a show with him where we played right. romantic leads and a romantic comedy and I, you know, we've been playing a lot together recently so he came right to mind and he was like okay I want you to think about the person he goes oh it's a, it's a man you're thinking of a man I was like uh huh he goes great cool Sil- silver hair silver hair and he does this thing with his hand where he sort of sweeps it's... it over his head which is exactly what Rafe's hair yeah. does it's sort of this haircut I love this stuff and I was like Yes. And he goes, okay, I want you to think about the name of this person. I want you to see it spelled out in your mind. And I was like, got it. And so I was imagining R-A-F-E, R-A-F-E. And and he goes, think about one of the, a letter that's somewhere in the middle of the name of this name. And he goes, oh, oh, you, you were thinking F, but you changed to A. You thought F first, but you changed to A. And I was like, 
yes. And he was like, okay, great. And he turned his, this notepad around that he was writing on and he had written Rafe on the, on the pad. And I was like, how? He's like, you were thinking of Rafe. I was like, how? how? Like Rafe is not so a common name. No. I mean, the whole thing, like I have no. And the thing is I had bought a ticket, right? So you, you think to yourself, Oh well, he had my name, and he could have googled right, everybody that's how was some coming, of these people do this. Yeah. and like known. But he made a point to do this stuff with people who were plus ones, who did not buy the tickets, who were right. not on the patron manifest or whatever. And he did it with things like the uh, think about some, some a date you went on when you were young, uh-huh. and someone you went with to a movie when you saw a movie with somebody. Think about that. Think about that. This was with a plus one. And then he guessed the name. And then she was like, uh, I can't really think of a movie date that I went on when I was young. He's like, well, so imagine it then. Like, who would you have wanted yeah. to go on a date with? Uh, and think about that person. And then he guessed the name of that per- of the, this person it's from amazing. this woman's childhood, as well as guessing her exact birthday. I mean, like, I have no, I have no explanation for how these things happened. It blew my mind. He was like funny and charming throughout. Love it. He was outstanding. Go see Brad Barton reality thief at the Lost I gotta Church. I got check this out. First Wednesday of every month. They had somebody like this on America's Got Talent. This season they've been doing a thing where they have their champions come back and so the, the best people come back. And they had somebody do a thing where they did this whole big production and then like the cards that the judges have chosen out of some pile. There's Somebody in the, has chosen in the audience has chosen a celebrity, yeah. and then it turns out the celebrity is sit, seated in the seat that matches the cards that the celebrity judge pulled out. Like that guy's, well, so that I actually feel like I have a sense of how they do that. Like there could be a system behind that. They hire David Hasselhoff to come sit in that seat. They know what the seat number is, and they use leading language in the way that they're inviting you to think of something that's going to make you think of L two. Like there's some priming language oh. that they put into their the way they're explaining they it. They talk that's, about things. That's making you think of L two. Yeah. Right. Or and it's gonna make you think of David House. I don't know how they do it, but like. Right. But what you're describing, he couldn't have done that. There was this one. There was this one where this woman. For, well, from one of them, he could have. He looked. He like he said, well, "Think of a letter. Maybe he's watching where your eyes go, and maybe our eyes go to different places for different letters." But a but twenty six different places. I know. Yes. Some people are crazy observant like that, but. It's still amazing, even if he has a system. It's still yeah. amazing. But the stuff about you're a Sagittarius, right? Like, where's that from? How did that? It wasn't even like a series of questions that he led me down to get there. You know. All right, I'm I'm going to see this next month. Okay, there's one more thing that he did, and he'll do it again because I talked to somebody who had been to his show, yeah. and she was like, "Yeah, this is his stuff. It amazes me every time. Like, it's the same show. Mm-hmm. You know." He had this woman come up, and and. Maybe there were a, f- a few different people that he invited to do this. Like, imagine, so imagine in your mind there's like a blank sheet of paper and you're going to draw a super simple picture on that paper, something that you could have drawn when you were a kid, right? You could draw it in 10 seconds or less, probably. 15 seconds, you could draw this little thing. So in my mind, I like drew a, a, a stick figure in a house, you know, right. like that was my childhood picture. Which is what I thought of. That's what you thought of. Drawing as well. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm, I'm no, so, so listen, psychic. So listen, so then he pulls a woman up on stage and is like, you, you, you know what, what your picture was that you drew on the, on the sheet of paper? And she goes, yeah. He sits her down. He has her close her eyes. He p- touches her on the shoulder. He has a, sh- a sheet of paper and he starts drawing and so that the audience can see. Two ears. Her eyes are closed. Her eyes are closed. And the sheet is away from her mm-hmm. anyway, right? Two ears, whiskers, little face cat tail that stretches up to the right it's not a way that i would have drawn a cat mm-hmm. but he figured it and did that thing okay great he puts that away and then he go, he goes okay open your eyes he kept touching her on the shoulder to like feel her right like get the image out of her mind right and then and then she gets up he gives her a blank thing of paper he goes okay go ahead and draw what what you were thinking of yeah. she draws the identical thing. Wow. In the same way, right? With the tail yeah. going up along the side and the ears. It's, it's so the cool. whole, I was like, I've never seen a cat drawn that way. Yeah. Like, I seriously have no, no explanation. I love it. For how he did this. It blew it. my mind. I loved being in a state of complete wonder also. Yes. Like, that is a rare thing. It's so great. Where I was just like, oh, what? You know, and like, yeah. like kids 
are at wonder of so many things. Right. Well, and, and even if he's even if he's duping you somehow, it's still you get to occupy that it's magical like, I space. I figure he's duping me. That I went to be duped. Right. You know, it's like you yeah. go to a magic show for them to show you things that look impossible, but you know are possible somehow. But, but I sometimes these people, yeah, are literally. I just Brad Barton reality. Thief. I want to check it out. Check him out. I want to check it out. It's an interesting. Here's a little segue though. I want to give him all of my support because I just thought he was phenomenal. Do you want to have his child? I don't think so. Okay, because that would be a lot of support. Well, I would require a lot of his support. Well, probably, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure that that gives him much support, <laughs> having his child. Well, it spreads his genes into the world. That's, a, you know, a fundamental stretch existence. I don't know. Okay, I, just, I don't know. Would you want to pay his rent feels like a more obvious, do like, you support him? It's like the little kid question of, do you want to marry him? Oh. Right. But I like for a, for a new age. Sure, sure, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I don't real. I'm not really asking. Yeah, if you want to have his child, it seems like a non sequitur. Well, it's kind of intended to be that way. Oh, yeah. Mission accomplished. Speaking of positive reinforcement, <laughs> what I was going to say is, yeah, this is here's the segue is that some of the stuff that happens with positive reinforcement training ends up looking like magic, but it's built on years of relationship where you, like to the, the trainer and the trainee are like so in tune with each other that you just like, oh. You when know, you say trainer and trainee, what I'm do you thinking, mean? I'm thinking like I'm an animal trainer and an animal who've had a, a positive... Person and an animal. Yeah, and it's yeah. like the trainer does something, you like waves a hand and the dog does this entire sequence. You're like, how is that possible? Yeah. But there's a system behind it. Right. 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 But... Good, We're kind of good, getting ahead of ourselves segue, here. Good yeah. segue, Ted. Great segue. <laughs> Things can look magic that really aren't, yeah. is the point there. I feel like most magic does, but that's a right. thing. Is like, yeah. I figured there's some explanation. I don't understand it, but this person is well studied. But like, the guesses he was making was yeah. just out of control. Yeah. We well, spent so, a lot of time talking about Brad Barton, Reality Thief. I hope have, that that's interesting. We're done. Yeah. We, we can let him go. Great. Um, but so here's the scoop. I, positive reinforcement and... Positive reinforcement training, long been an interest of mine. When I did my sabbatical back at Northfield Mount Hermon, I was looking at four elements of teaching and learning. One was growth mindset, which we've talked about. One was applied improv, which we talk about all the time. One was contemplative practice, including mindfulness. Great. Talk about it all the time. Talk about it all the time. And the fourth was positive reinforcement. And working with animals, but working with people, I first kind of got tuned into it when I read a book called what Shamu taught me about life, love, and marriage. Actually, it wasn't even the book. It was an essay in the New York Times mm. by a woman named Amy Sutherland. And she had this story of how she had gone to write about uh, Shamu and SeaWorld and the training there. And she was so fascinated by the methods that they used that she decided to use them on her husband when she got home. And she, like, rather than nagging him about picking up the socks, she just started... Anytime Praising would, him and rewarding him for picking he, up the socks. That's right. If he picked up the socks, you get a kiss or, yeah. you know. And it just completely changed their relationship. I thought, that's so cool. So I got into it and and went down this long road. So we'll probably cover more of that in our conversation today. But it came up this week because a buddy of mine is going through something with his partner. And she... This is why positive reinforcement was on your mind. It was on my mind, topic. yeah. She... Um, did something that betrayed the trust. Like she spent some of their money mm. without asking him about it. And he was sort of sorting through his feelings with me. And he said, you know, I feel like I want to punish her. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Because totally understandable that you're angry and frustrated and like, but then my positive reinforcement filter came up and said, do you think that's going to help you get what you want? Because usually... It doesn't. Or if it does, it, it mixes it with an element of toxicity and fear and resentment. And so then we got into this whole conversation about, about that. And then I thought, oh, what about like teaching improv? How do you reward what you want to get from your students? Or if you're, well, teachers probably wouldn't punish people for doing the wrong things. But like if you're in a troop and your troop mate does something that you're unhappy with, and you feel like lashing out or like getting back in the word, like somehow 
snapping. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that, right? And, and it's all with the notion of like, what choice can I make now that's going to move more in the direction of what I want to have happen? Yeah, I mean, I feel for me, it was so funny because when you said, what he said, I feel I want to punish her. And you said, does that, you think that's going to help you get what you want? It's like, this is not about what I want. Mm. <laughs> like punishment when you're an adult, right? When you're, I feel like when parents punish children, there's some idea of teaching them, well, maybe that's it, teaching them a lesson. Right. And so what I want is a healthy relationship, but what feels good right now is to make her know that she fucked up. Right. And she's wrong and to make her pay, make, put her make in pay, some pain her, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like that's what punishment, the, the desire to punish as adults comes down to. It's like, I want you to feel pain about this. I want you to see what you've done. Or I want you to own what you've done. Or something like that. Yeah, I think I, like, it's like a retribution. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think it's good. One of the... I don't think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this question of... This question is powerful. Like, what, will it help you get what you... Well, like, what, will it help you get what you want? What do you really want? Right. What do you really want out of this? And I remember taking a workshop on crucial conversations, maybe. Mm-hmm. Difficult, having difficult conversations. And, have, and, and the advice was, ask three times. What do you want out of this? Hmm. Ask yourself before going into the conversation? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you really want out of this? Mm-hmm. But under that, what do you want out mm-hmm. of this? Right? Because there is that first level of like, I want her to know that she messed up. Number two, yeah, but what do you really want? I want her to apologize. Yeah, what, do you, what do you really right. want? I want us to be okay. Right. I want, I want to have the trust that... I want to be able to trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like punishing... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, I, but it's, that is so easily lost sight of in that moment. Right. I mean, I've had a, I had a moment recently where I wanted to lash out at mm-hmm. somebody in a super snarky way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I could feel the snark rising in mm-hmm. me. And there's something really satisfying about imagining mm-hmm. just dropping some snark on somebody. Uh, and I knew also that I shouldn't do that. But like this was not this was not a productive yeah. way to go forward. This would only prolong a conflict. It would not resolve one. Yeah. And so I called my friend and I said, this is what just happened. This is how I would like to respond. <laughs> So you process it with a third friend. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's also something about, I want you to appreciate and validate that I have a right to want to respond this way. Right. And then I could put it away. Yeah. Okay. So I also feel like I, I, w- I want to explain some definitions first before we get into this so that we're being consistent with our language. Is that all right with you? Sure. Okay. This is my little teacherly self. I, yeah. Oh, Ted the teacher. I hear that. Um because this surprised me when I first learned about positive reinforcement, that, um, well, actually, no, I'm a little bit, speaking of the teacher, let me ask this. When you hear, what do you think positive reinforcement is? Um, somebody does a desired behavior and you give them something good. Nice. I got it right. Boom. Yay, High five. Quizzes are my favorite. <laughs> That's awesome. This quizzes on the What's Monster the Podcast. What's the next question? <laughs> Great. So, okay, but so most people think that it just means like something happy. Like you do something that I like and I just do something happy. You right? do something happy. Like we I just I'm going to I'm going to give you a reward, right? But that's what we're talking about, right? You do you give something good in the face of yeah. of, of So the no, the notion is that something that is reinforcing is something that makes a behavior more likely. Yeah. So positive reinforcement as you said is when you Add something into the equation to make the behavior more likely. Right. Add something that they want, that, they, that, that is they want. good. But yeah. the positive doesn't necessarily mean happy. It just is something that will make, that you're adding, that will make the behavior more likely. Although if it were really sad, it would not make the behavior more likely. Probably not. I mean, so it's, it has some positive connotation. But I, but I know that positive, like click training, that's a neutral sound, but it has... It gets linked to what's called... It's like Pavlov's, like the yeah. bell in Pavlov's But it's dog. like if I give you chocolate... And the chocolate doesn't actually change, the, doesn't make the behavior more likely. I'm just giving you a reward. It's not a reinforcer. Oh, got it. Okay. okay. So there's a difference between a reward and a reinforcer. Yeah. So what positive means I added in, negative reinforcement is not saying something negative. It's to, taking something away. It's taking something away that makes the behavior more likely. So, for example, you're annoyed by the loud music in my house, right? 
you do something that I'm happy that you did. I want you to do more of it. So I lower the volume of the music. I'm taking away. Oh, I see. And it will make the behavior more likely. It's, no, not, it's not a bad thing. That's such a, okay. But the positive and negative refers to, am I adding something or taking or it taking away? taking something away. And then the same thing is true with punishment. So negative punishment is when you do something I would yeah. want to reduce. The, and I say no more playing with your toys. That's exactly right. Right. And positive punishment is uh, I, I scream. A kid. I scream at you or yeah. I, I introduce a buzzer. Or... I also don't condone smacking kids. Thank I said you. that it's not something I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I was not hit as a child. I would never hit a child. Monster Baby Legal Team checks you out. <laughs> I just want it's really important that yeah. I say that. Yes, thank you. Yeah. But that, that is an example of positive punishment is when you're adding something in that makes the behavior less likely. Okay. Okay. So that's all the definition, schmefinition. Mm-hmm. I first saw the integration of these two things at the Loose Moose Theater in Calgary. With dolphin training? With dolphin training. Yeah. Which I had, I don't know if I had ever done it before, but it was like all of a sudden... My brain, because I had been studying these two things separately. Oh, and then you saw them together, and it's like, my brain was like, him. What? Yeah. Oh, this so, is so cool. So, dolphin training is an exercise done, it's Johnstonian, as far as I know. Like, he sort of brought it to the improv world, which literally is just a process of positive reinforcement. One person leaves the room, the rest of the group decides on a task they have to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Like, close that door, go put that hat stand on, on move the chair, chair stand, whatever. Like, something concrete and physical and uh, achievable. And when they come back in, they start trying things. And if they are on the right track toward accomplishing that thing, then the group dings them. They go ding. Ding. Like ringing a bell. Yeah. And if they are not on the right track, then they stay silent Mm -hmm. until they achieve the thing. Which is classic positive reinforcement. You only... You get the ding. Reward movement towards the behavior you want. Or you reinforce movement towards the behavior you want. Yeah. There are other versions of it that people do that introduce like a buzzer punishment Ooh. that's right like if you're moving away from it they give you a buzzer or it's basically warm or colder exactly hot, like right are you yep. hot cold hot cold and some people do it with singing a song so we're the audience is going to keep singing row 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 your boat and when they get closer you increase the volume or oh interesting if they get further away you lower the volume but that's I kind of like the dings because, it, at least the way that I learned it, that ding should be as neutral as possible. Mm-hmm. It never works out that way. People get so excited when right. the person gets close and they're like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, exactly. But but if but but it works with a totally neutral ding, and you can you can make somebody do really complicated things. Yeah, or or encourage them to. Yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, you can train them to I, do really complicated. Have you ever things. seen somebody like write out a word? They leave the room and you say, we're going to get them to write... Happy birthday or something. Yeah, happy birthday on the board. No, but I've had them speak... I've had people... Somebody trained me once to do a a physical warm-up that we used to do every once in a while before improv shows. Yeah. It's in Spanish and has a set of movements that comes along with it and goes through the parts of the body. And I hadn't done it in months, but somebody was in the room who knew that I knew it. Mm. And so I left and they said, let's train her to do this thing. Cool. And it was so, so... Delightful. I love it. When you got it, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think that that dolphin training exercise has to do with improv? Like, why did Sean Kinley include that in in our training? And why did did you get exposed to it? Or why would Johnstone use it? Yeah, you know, it seems, the, the parts of it that seemed to me most relevant are the state you need to be in to be trained. Mm. So there's a complete release of any expectation that you know what this is, yeah. but you keep moving forward anyway. And the, that, that state feels very powerful in terms cool. of the kind of state you want to be in when you take the stage. Like I'm going to take a, I'm going to, I'm going to make one move and see what happens. And based on what happens, I'll make another move. Love it. But yes. I can't decide that I'm going to do a love scene that's going to culminate in a kiss because that's doing the whole thing. That's like me coming back into the room and deciding, oh, I'm going to go climb that ladder and that's going to be the answer. And it's like, right. well, you got to pay attention to the cues along the way so that you have to stay super adaptable every step of the way without yeah. getting locked in on one end point of this path. I love that. That makes total sense to me why that would link. Because when I, I would do this with my, often with my kids in class in high school, I would do dolphin training at the beginning of the year because it would say a lot about how I wanted to work with them mm-hmm. as a teacher and them as students. Mm-hmm. And what would inevitably show up was somebody would get up there and would just kind of freeze. Yeah. 
and wouldn't have any idea what, the, and they wouldn't do anything. Right. And so they couldn't get any feedback. Yeah. And that's such a powerful concept. Right. And so it's like, okay, you have to be willing to to try, try crap out. Yeah. And see, and let yourself mess up so that we can then give you indicators about whether you're on the right track or not. Yeah. If you just stay there and do nothing, it's boring for everybody. Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah, I like that. There was, there was also, we also um, inevitably ran into, sometimes something would be too challenging uh-huh. and we would have to just pause and let it go. Mm-hmm. And maybe I would pause and say, okay, so what's going on here? And, you know, who, what are we, what are we as trainers not doing well? And I'd have the dolphin leave the room kind of thing. But even that pause, and then they could come back, and then they could reset. Come back to it. Come back to it, then gives you... With a fresh mind. Yeah, it's like, sometimes you got to stop the training. Yeah. Or like, if you break down in the scene, like, okay, scene's over, let it go. Yeah. And come back to something new. Yeah. But I love that notion of that readiness, of the learner readiness. And and constant response and adjustment, right? I mean, it's like enemy defender. Like, your job is to get comfortable in constant, in a state of constant adjustment. Yes. And as soon as you get attached to your position or where you are or wanting to stay there, you will be disappointed. Like, you, you, then you've stopped, you're, then you're not playing anymore. Yeah, you're not, you're not fluid. Yeah. So that's a that's a bit of like how it connects to doing improv. I was also thinking about teaching improv. When when I learned positive reinforcement training, I learned about like how you have to be really good with your timing for your feedback. Yeah. So if the timing isn't correct, you're getting reinforced for something else. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Well, how do you think that changes with the with the addition of words? Right. Like your, if your feedback is a ding or a click, then absolutely. But if you're if you get to explain and articulate your feedback, like at the at the end of a scene, or if I don't know. Yeah, I think the closer it is to the event, yeah, the more the it works. Yeah, and so sometimes, but like, yeah, but do you interrupt a scene to go, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it, you did it, right? Boom, exactly. Because it's like, oh, you just pulled these people out of this wonderful moment they were in, right? And isn't that the point? Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting thing, but to not wait a week. Right. Right. And it was, again, when I was teaching in high school, like, do we just wait until we give them their performance review at the midterm? Right. Like, no, I want to tell them now what you did here was great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. I, I have a couple, when you brought this up, I have a couple of thoughts about ways that positive reinforcement fucks improv up. Yeah. Great. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I know you're a total believer in positive reinforcement. Right. And. There comes a time when you're on stage and you do some stupid thing and the audience laughs at it. Ah, yeah. And it's like, oh, they liked it. How you do more of that stupid thing? And now you're just in a stance with the audience because it feels good to get that's positive right. reinforcement. That's the that's the ding yep. in that moment yep. that you can hear. It's the most obvious feedback you get in it's an improv palpable. scene. Yep. Yeah, it's powerful. It's attractive. It's like a little drug. So you do what what you think will continue to get it. Yes. And in the meantime, you've completely lost connection with your partner. Yep. And if you're not going for just your job is to make the audience laugh as much as possible, then it's it can be derailing. Yes. That laughter can be you can start pandering to them for it. Yep. And 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 just like dancing around hoping for more laughs and it's like miserable. So how do you how do you counter that? I, I don't know. I just Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I I don't have an answer right now. Yeah, it's a it's a I think you know it's going to come. Right? Maybe it's that you redefine you look for another ding. You know, it's like you have to right. recast the ding. Yeah, so it's not the, the it's not that there's a problem with positive reinforcement per se. It's that the positive reinforcement that's at play is working against your most, larger goals. Yeah, the most obvious, apparent, readily available positive reinforcement, the most yep. obvious form of 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 that positive feedback is laughter. Yes. And that's not always... What you're going for. Or... Yeah. It's not that you're not going for it. Right. It's just that you're going for something bigger and often that produces laughter, but you want to kind of keep your eyes on the prize for what you're... Yeah. What you're going for. Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like addiction is a really prime example of when positive reinforcement goes bad. Right. You know, because, yeah, this feels good in the moment. And I like this feeling, so I want more of it. So I'll keep doing this thing that gives me more of this feeling. And it is at odds with your larger goals. Yeah. 
of how you want to live your life, how present you want to be and how whatever. I love the notion of creating some other reinforcement system. Like, or, be, or because if you don't... looking for a different... You got to be like, okay, right, I hear the laughter, but that's not actually what I'm going for. Yeah. I need to look for this other thing that might be present in this situation. Yeah. If you don't, that behavior will increase. Yeah, totally. According to these principles. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I wonder what it would be, right? What it... You know, what do you set up for yourself as the as the reinforcer? Maybe it's like, I mean, my first instinct is that it's got to have something to do with your partner. Mm. Like it has to lie with your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you maintain connection with your partner, then ding, something, you, something good happens. Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure. I just mean, I think the ding needs to be yeah. like, how do you provide like, in the moment specific feedback or look for in the moment specific feedback when it's like, well, we're crafting a thing over an entire night. Right. And it's impossible. This, this choice may seem like a bad one or a good one, but later it, it's part of a larger thing, you yeah. know? So, so it's not such a specific moment. Right. It's a bigger, it's a bigger event that you're looking for feedback. on. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever played the game Hilarious Geisha? Yeah. I learned it from William Hall. And so the somebody leaves the room. It's kind of a little bit like dolphin training in a way, in that somebody leaves the room and you come up with, um, the group comes up with an identity that they want the person to enact through movement. So the person comes back into the room. Like a, an adjective and a profession yeah, or a type of person, type right? Of person. It could be angry clown. A or, nauseous lawyer. Right. Yeah. And so the person walks in a, circle inside the circle of the people who know what this identity is and the people on the outside of the circle are trying to get the person on the inside to portray this identity just by changing behavior without telling them any interpretation so right a nauseous not like walk like you're gonna barf but like put your hands on your stomach and lean forward a little perfect yeah exactly and so what i love about it is that it's saying um what are the very specific observable things that are happening that would make this emotional reality come to life? And so then I think I like that for teaching improv. What are the very specific behaviors that you're looking for to make someone the kind of improviser you want to perform with? Yeah, totally. That you want to be with, right? Um, and or if you you're going to have a relationship with somebody, what are the very specific things that you could tell them to do that would suggest to you? I feel loved or, mm-hmm. you know, um, but if you were, we may have asked this question before, but maybe we didn't. Either way, I'm going to ask it again. When you go on stage with somebody, what are the behaviors you want to see from somebody that you would be like, yep, I want more of that? I want connection and positivity. Connection and, and uh, not being in a fight all the time. Mm. Those are the first two things. And how do, they, how do they demonstrate the connection? Eye contact. Okay. No, noticing and responding to me. Mm. So being affected by you. Yeah. And then so having that interplay back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, the things that make me not want to be on stage with somebody is if they're in their own game or if they're fighting all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> if, like, all of their characters are in a fight, I'm like, oh, I'm not interested. So tiring. Yeah, just, that's not the... Yeah. It's just not what I want to be in. Yeah, and then I, I can see, like, if somebody's not responsive, you put something forward and it's just like, boop, flat wall. Yeah. Are you there? Hello? Right. Yeah. Okay. I think there's something, I don't know what, what the behavior would be, but like the, for me, there's something about playfulness. Somebody comes on stage with a little bounce in their step or a little yeah. glint in their eye. It's kind of funny, right? Thinking about boiling these things down. Because there's also this part of me that's like, there's a million kinds of great improvisers. Mm. And there's a million kinds of great improv. And like, there is not one sequence you got to go through to be a good improviser. Right. Like, there can be sour, dour, like, serious people who, who are great improvisers, you know, mm-hmm. who tend to play that kind of character, but it w- works and it's wonderful yeah. for what it is, yeah. you know? So it's like, there's this piece of me that whenever I get too prescriptive about the... What you might want. What good... Well, what good improv is, I'm all, I always find myself needing to say, you guys... 
take this with, take all of this with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. this I find helps and other and a million there's a million other ways this can work. I like that. In fact, tonight I'm in a show called Director's Cut where there's five directors and they all need to come up with sort of a a, a mission for the kind of improv they want to do mm. that night and then they direct scenes and then the audience decides whether they were successful or if they failed at at their mission. And I want to do, I just came up with this on the way up here from Stanford. I want to do scenes that break all the rules of improv. Oh, fun. So I want to direct scenes that like pick a rule of improv, like say yes. Or don't ask questions. Don't ask questions or who define who and where or get along and say, all right, we're not, we're not playing by that rule. Yeah. You're in a fight. See if you can stay in a fight, you know, and direct scenes and see if I can direct good scenes out of... Well, that's going to be fascinating to see. I know. I have no idea if it's going to succeed. It's scary because I'm like, I actually don't know if well, this is going to be entertaining. And there's also some immediate feedback because isn't this the format where you get voted on by the audience? Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you don't do what... If they're not pleased with it, don't you get a punishment or something? Yeah, you do. Yeah, exactly. They punish you. <laughs> They punish you. Like one time... The problem is the punishments are really fun. Right. One time I saw a punishment where somebody had to yell out the window to all the people gathered below. Yeah. I just directed an awful scene. It was scene. horrible. It was terrible. Yeah, it's like open the window and apologize to San Francisco for the yeah. scene you just directed. There's another one that I've had to do where I call your mother and apologize to her for, for, for the that. shit that you just did on stage. And I did. I called my mom. It was on speaker, nice. on the mic. The whole audience could hear it. And I was like, Mom, I just directed a really bad scene in this show. And I I think I've let you down. Like, you had great hopes for me. And I just totally failed. It was, it was a bad scene. And she said, well, mistakes are gifts, honey. <laughs> Woohoo! And I was like, oh, Mom, you're the best. <laughs> your, your mom is totally on board. Yeah. That's so hilarious. Did she know that you were... That it was part of a director's cut thing? Yeah, I think I told her. I'm on stage. Okay. I'm in front of the audience. You're yeah. on speaker. Good. You know. Good. Anyway, so so this idea of like, break okay, break down good improv into these automatic behaviors. There's a degree to which I've done that, but I'm always really careful about saying this is the way improv is done. Because mm-hmm. like, who am I mm-hmm. to, tell you, to, to tell the world how improv is done? Yeah. You know? I, I struggle with this because part of me is totally on board with what you're saying. Like... Breaking it down into like too fine a fiber feels way over mental. Yeah. And like just relax, just kind of live in the flow. Like, and yet, when we're not precise, we're always reinforcing something or punishing something with the stuff that we do. Like, what do you it, mean? So, you say something, right? You utter some sentence. Either my eyes get bigger or like my face. Uh, crinkles up or I like take an in-breath like any of these little micro behaviors that I do have an impact on you and either tell you that I was pleased or not and then that helps you feel more relaxed or not and so we're always reinforcing and punishing each other with the little things that we do that's kind of how we all learn as organisms and that the less conscious we are about that I think kind of like what you were saying earlier the more we can go at cross purposes to what we really want. Yeah. And it just feels like there's also a danger to being too conscious of it. I agree. And and this is something we've talked a lot about before with yeah. you know, how much am I going to be aware of what I'm doing versus just being in it. Right. But so here's an example with my with my kitten every now and then uh, like I put her in the other room because I she's like running on my head or something, right? So I put her in the other room. She like paws to get out or meows to get out. I know that if I let her out when she's meowing, that's a direct reinforcement of the right. meow. And so she's going to keep meowing, keep meowing yeah. if I want her to be quiet. Yeah. So like, whatever you do, don't let her out right then. Or same thing with if like when we, I had a dog and guests would come over and I'd feed the dog. I'd be like, don't feed the dog at the table. Yeah. Like you have to resist that. Right. Because it really don't want to reinforce that, even though you think, oh, he'll be quiet if I just give him this food. Yeah. No, 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 no. Right. So I just think it it brings to mind to me, like, I want to be really careful about what am I actually reinforcing and what am I not? As a player or in life? Both. Too it m- just feels so... I, too I, much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think about that. I think about that. Like, I'm gonna go on stage and I'm gonna make sure that I'm sending the right message to my partner based on the thing that they've just said to either reinforce or punish. It's like feels oh yeah, or to reward or punish. It's like no, I'm in character. And no, I'm, I think I think like it's, how like how on earth would you do that? Yeah, I think it's more like a in retrospect. What am I doing? What am I creating? You know. What choices did it, like a review? Yeah, I mean, it's like an interesting lens through which to look at the way that you relate to the work and to yeah. your partners. Yeah. The idea of going into a show, like being conscious about what you're reinforcing and what you're not, feels like a, exactly the wrong place for your brain to be. Interesting. It, it might be an interesting place for, thing to do for a rehearsal. Yeah. Like, I'm going to pick, I'm going to, I'm going to pick a behavior or a skill that I really want you to do. And I'm going to see if in the scene, in the, in the context of a scene. Yeah. I can encourage you to do it. Like this author who kissed her husband every time he picked up his socks or whatever. Right. There's part of me that's like, can you ask him to pick up his socks? What if you ask him to pick up his socks? Yeah. And it does, and it didn't work for her. Oh, I see. The kisses worked. The kisses worked. Here's a question for you. How do you feel about negative notes after shows? Or about shows? Mm. It's a great question. Like negative feedback. So... Right, and here let's we'll say the, here the negative is unpleasant. We're using the word negative as unpleasant as opposed I to taking something away. Yes, yeah. yes. I didn't like that you did this. Right. This felt weird or bad to Corrective. me. Corrective. Well, reflective in a yeah. negative way, right? In a, yeah. in a sorry, in an unpleasant way. So there's a there's a relationship guy, John Gottman, mm-hmm. psychologist, who says that the mar- he can predict which marriages will stay together based on like 10 minutes of conversation, right? right, right. I think we may have even talked yeah, about this. like bids and how you, like, how many good things are said right. about two, one of the things that yeah. uplift one another, whether bids for playfulness are accepted yeah. or rejected. Yeah. yeah. So it's like five pleasant occurrences to one unpleasant occurrence. That's right, yes. If you build up the bank, then you've got space to offer the corrective feedback. Unpleasant. And experience. it doesn't, there's no cost, it doesn't do anything harmful yeah but without that that bank that reservoir to draw on it's like grinding gears to give the corrective yeah so yeah i think after a show it's like we're connected yeah i like you i love you i'm letting you know that you matter to me and i say okay and this this call you made was hard for me yeah and so here's what it is and then there's also the question of how do you do that it was like blaming like that choice sucked Versus, right. Name it. Here's the specific thing you did. This and is the impact that had me. Of it. Yeah. And I recognize this isn't necessarily truth, but this is what happened. What next? Yeah. It's inquiry rather than declaration. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that thing of I feel like oftentimes there is a people or groups will camp out in one side or the other of that. We only talk about the good stuff, or we only talk about the bad stuff. So yeah. feedback is just here are the ways that you messed up and could do better. Or they're just that was great, you guys. That was so great. Wow, great, full of great moments. And they're and and both of them are flawed in my mind. I was I was astonished when I went to Loose Moose. Yeah, we had just done dolphin training. Yeah, and they brought us those of us who were the students in the international summer school came to a Friday night show, and we got to see see the show. And then afterwards, we got to meet with the cast and we talk about what happened and watch them do their notes for each other. And every note they gave was critical. Wow. Every single one. And the director said, do any of you students have anything you'd like to say? And I raised my hand and I said something that I liked. Yeah. That I thought was really great. Partly thinking positive reinforcement, but just also that was yeah. what I saw. And the director said, yeah, we don't, we don't give compliments after shows. We sort of assume that we know what we did well. And we, I was like. That is crazy. What? And, and especially given we had just done the yeah. positive reinforcement training, the yeah. Dolphin was like, You're like, why did we? What cross signals are yeah, there? Yeah, why you, did we do that? You are not getting the point of what you just taught. Now, granted, it was not the same person. Yeah. But it was, it was such a downer. Yeah. The notes were like, you did this wrong. You should have done that. I wish you'd done that. I wish yeah. you'd done this. All of them were like, yeah, those suggestions would have made the same. Those better. are right, but like, let's look at the like. So that's an example of what do we really want out of this? Yeah, we want players who are inspired, connected, sort of ready to go. And are we getting that out of? Right. Are we getting that out of this? And and I think the part of the principle is that when you say we're going to focus on building more of what we want, you trust that the other stuff will either and. 
these uh, behavioral terms, it's extinguish, mm-hmm. or will just kind of fade. Yeah, if you don't give it attention. If you don't give it attention, it's like it's not going to stay there because something else is more compelling. And so, like, that's why I after a show, like, this was great, this was great, this was great, mm-hmm. maybe five times, and then like, and here's the one thing I wish were different. Mm-hmm. But this is actually something that I have put into play for myself with people who frustrate me. Mm-hmm. And I find that I'm frustrated a lot or I really, or somebody that I'm in a position where I'm giving feedback Mm -hmm. and I find that there's a lot of negative feedback that I find myself wanting to give, Mm -hmm. like a lot of corrective stuff, is I look really hard and I notice the moments where it's like, oh, actually this person, this was great that this person Mm -hmm. did. Be sure to tell them that. Mm -hmm. Like, be sure to tell them that. And I like lean extra hard on that particularly around problematic relationships for me, you know, like, or relationships that are not so easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't put that language on it, but it's, it's like, I don't want to be somebody who just delivers negative feedback. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. And yeah, I think I, I, there is a a feeling of earning the right to, if you've all, if you also give positive feedback, you know, and there's some way in which it's like, for me, the feedback that I take well is from people who I know think I'm a good improviser. Right. Or a good person or a good whatever. Like that I trust that their opinion of me is good. Yep. And then when they say, you know, this thing was weird. Mm-hmm. Then I'm like, oh, huh. But it doesn't threaten my... Right, then you start to look at how, how you take feedback. It doesn't threaten the connection. It doesn't threaten... Or my sense of self. Yep. Because I'm like, well, I know this person thinks I'm yep. great. And so this feedback is... It really is to make me stronger. Yep. You know, or to... Or to help this thing not be in the way of our relationship or yeah. whatever. And and that's good. I want that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's cool how you just flipped around like the receiver has an impact on it too. How do I receive this feedback? Totally. Is going to change how the feedback is given. Yeah. yeah. I actually just read a book called Thanks for the Feedback. Mm. It was all about receiving feedback. Specifically negative feedback. And they would argue that, well, you should, you should take feedback well, whether it comes from a person you like or not, or mm-hmm. it comes from a person who you think respects you or not, and all these things, right. because we are really quick to discount negative feedback based right. on any number of things. Well, they don't really know me. Well, they weren't really watching. Through, yeah. Well, I don't like their taste. I don't trust their taste anyway. Well, da, da, da. And we're guarded against it because we fear what it will mean for our for our identity, right. we overgeneralize. They say you did a bad job in this situation and we hear it as you're a bad person yeah. or you are generally bad at this or whatever. Uh, so all sorts of things that keep us from being able to take yeah. to take feedback. There's a really cool example with a group um, where I learned a lot of this positive reinforcement stuff from, it's a, called tag teaching. So tag teaching is like clicker training for humans. And so rather than... When you're teaching something, you say the tag point is, this is a specific behavior we're looking for. And then when they do that, click or whatever, right? And we were working with a group of young female gymnasts. But whenever they would go to meets, the judges would always be critical. Which mm-hmm. is like, you didn't do it. And they trained the girls to hear the judges' criticism and to rephrase it in their own minds as, okay, the tag point is. So if the if the judge says, you know, you weren't looking forward when you landed on the balance beam, right? So the girl, rather than hearing it as a criticism, the girl says to herself, okay, tag point is look forward. Mm-hmm. And so like taking what they what could crush them, and looking for the actionable thing. What's the actionable thing that I can do that's going to help me get to where I want to get to? Yeah. And then they were just so much more resilient. And these girls, like over the course of three or four meets, just started blowing people away because they weren't getting crushed by the judge's feedback. Yeah. But the judges weren't changing anything. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was totally self-reliant. Yo, what does this have to do with mindfulness? Yo, yo. Yeah. Check it out. What's that? Well, what's that connection? Is there one? Yes, absolutely. I think there is. And I, I, I tell this story a lot when I'm teaching mindfulness because when people come to meditation and they're trying to hold their attention anywhere on their sensations in their feet or on sounds in the environment or on their breath, inevitably the attention wanders. And yeah. so 
usually when people start with that, they're really hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. I can't meditate. I'm not good at this. Yeah. I'll never be good at this. I'm such, you know, um, my mind is so scattered, right? And they just, they beat themselves up for the apparent failure. And in order to, to make real progress, rather than doing that punishment, that's positive punishment, adding in the like bad self-talk, is to say, what can you reinforce? And it's when your attention has come back, oh, I'm going to celebrate that. And the story I use is of our, our dog, Manny, that my former partner, Melissa, and I had. And when we were training him, we wanted to let him go off leash. And so we worked really hard. Like we had one of those extendable leashes. We'd let him go further out, and then we'd call him back. There's a little signal to whoop, whoop. That's his, like, okay, that's for you, Manny. He'd come back. We'd give him treats. He'd go out further. We'd give him treats. And eventually we got to the point where, like, okay, I think we're going to let him off the leash. Mm-hmm. And we did. And he wandered past where the leash was, and we called him back, and he came back. Great. More treats, more yeah. treats. And we were doing really well. And, of course, one day he yeah. just, boom, yeah. bolted. He wouldn't come back. And we we're terrified because he's a three-legged dog and he's a hound. And where's he going to go in the woods? We have no idea. So eventually, after hours, he came back. And our feeling at the time was like anger, frustration, fear. Bad, you went away. And we want to yell at him because yeah. we're upset with him. Yeah, but he came back. But we caught ourselves and like, he's back. Yeah. Like, so hot dogs, hamburgers, cheese. Right, make this a really good homecoming. You came back great. Yeah. So catching ourselves, like getting out of the way of our own feelings to say, what's the behavior we want to reinforce? He came back. Yeah. So we're going to load that up. Yeah. Super treat. Right. And so then bring that same parallel with our mind wandering. We like let it off leash, let it off leash a little bit, let it go further. Okay, now I'm not even going to focus on breath. I'm just going to let myself be with my mind. Yeah. And now it's gone. Yeah. Well, when I finally realize that I've been off daydreaming or napping or something i can be all angry and frustrated and right but no i just came back yeah so that's like, great i'm doing f- it internal high fives yeah, yeah yeah who cares if i was away for 20 minutes it came back yeah so this feels like such a powerful i mean this dolphin training stuff is such a powerful construct for so many things and this question of what am i really reinforcing because i was just thinking when like if a kid think about it, with kids discipl- yeah. disciplining kids and you think you think you're responding to one thing, but they hear a response to another thing. Well, I guess that's true with any people. Yep. You think you're responding. You're the the thing that is causing your response is one thing, but but it but it has an effect on a different thing. So, for instance, when we talk about yes and and accepting ideas or rejecting ideas, and people always say, well, what if somebody comes with a bad idea? And it's and it is this thing of. It's not that you have to accept every idea, but there's a thin line between rejecting rejecting an idea and rejecting a person. Yeah. And you may think you're rejecting the idea, and the experience they have is that they are rejected, yes. and they will not bring you ideas anymore. So the, the, the behavior that you want to reinforce is they've brought you this idea. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do you accept and, and reward that they brought this. What in it can you say yes to that makes mm-hmm. them feel good and accepted and validated without, obviously, saying yes to an idea yeah. you can't say yes to or accepting things you can't accept? And the other thing that that brings to mind is when a kid confesses something and you punish them for the thing they've confessed when, but it's like a great thing that they told you. Yeah. And that's the thing, that, that's the bigger, more important thing you want to reinforce. Yeah. And it just, it feels like there must be things in life where it's sort of, for me, it sort of it is a, the visual is of a focus shift from foreground to background. Or like, mm. you know, when you, when you're looking at this thing and then, but then you're, you shift your depth, your depth perception in a yes. way and, and focus on this other thing and realize that it was there the whole time or, oh, yeah. or that there's something else present here to pay attention to. That you don't want to be throwing out. Yeah. Yeah. Or preventing from or preventing. coming back. Yeah, exactly. There was a, there's also this is where the timing comes in too because sometimes, like when we did dolphin training, the person who's the dolphin would think that the ding came for, like for example, they moved their left hand in a certain way. They think, oh, that's what got the ding, when in fact it was something else. They it were. was because they looked to the right. Yeah. While they were moving their left hand, right. and the 
trainers were dinging so the, even if the, the right. timing is right there still could be things you're still not aware confusion. of that you're getting feedback on that's right yeah and so that's why isolating down to specific behaviors helps yeah but are there other ways that you see it connected to mindfulness i'm not sure but here's what i just thought of which is anytime that i start thinking I can't possibly just be honest about this or say what it is mm-hmm. that I see. And then I do, and it, and it works out okay. When you do say what you when see. When I do say, when I bring something up with somebody, when mm-hmm. I sort of act in integrity, I guess, is what mm-hmm. it is what it kind of comes down to. Or even when it's hard. Mm-hmm. Or, if I, or if I'm in a complicated situation and there's some drive in me to uncomplicate it and... and whitewash it in a way or mm-hmm. round out the edges and make it into a more recognizable thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, but the truth is it's, it's complex. It's complicated. You get to sit in this complexity. Mm. And I feel like mindfulness, the way that that connects to mindfulness, mindfulness for me is, is just observing what is and mm-hmm. being sort of willing to speak what it is. Sure. And usually that goes pretty well mm-hmm. like usually i feel mm-hmm. good after i've done that yeah and so it builds this base of experience that teaches me that this is a way you can be like in the you world. can be more spacious with, yeah yeah it also as you're saying that i'm thinking too that it helps us having a mindfulness practice helps us get clearer about what's really true and to like be able to recognize our own assumptions mm-hmm. or our own stories that we're telling about the thing that's happening as opposed to what is really happening. Mm-hmm. And so having a, a keen observation of, oh, this is what the behavior is, instead of my whole story around the behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody does something that I want to have more of. I'm telling a whole story about why they're doing it. it may completely get in the way of my communicating how I feel about it. Right, right. right. Yeah. Cool. I, I'm totally with you on the. Sometimes when I talk about this, I feel like I just get so over mental. Yeah. And I, like, a, like my head is a balloon or like floating on a broomstick walking through space and like trying to think of all these different angles of levers of reinforcement and training. And yet there's a part of me that's also like, no, but when it works, it's so cool. And, and it's, yeah. it's so powerful. And I also recognize, Yes, I am getting reinforced all the time. And I'm like, to be able to observe, there's another mindfulness thing, to be able to see what am I getting pulled by? What are the puppet strings? Oh, that's str- interesting. What are the puppet strings the that make I'm me do to? stuff? Yeah. And so it's like, oh, when somebody, uh, when somebody, like you said, laughs at a joke, or when somebody asks me how I'm doing and they really listen, that makes me want to be around them more. Yeah. I'm like, I want to call them. I want to ask them to do something. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. That's not a problem, but it's just good to know. You know, good to be aware of. Yeah. Because I might get manipulated into something I don't want to do. Yeah. And, 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 or, oh, this thing is making me want to, I mean, it, in the unhealthy way of like, I'm responding to this ding. Do I want to? I don't. So mm-hmm. I've got to redefine my ding, my yep. stimulus response. Redefine the ding. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So. That's good. All right. Well, we're, uh, we're at about time here. Um, you're uh, going away on a music cruise. I am going away on a music cruise. What would you like to say about that? And nothing. I just want to let our people know what's going on in our lives. Oh, yeah. I'm going on a, it's called Kayamo, C-A-Y-A-M-O, Kayamo.com. Amazing musicians on a boat in the ocean with a bunch of people who appreciate good music. For seven days. That's not a bad way to spend time. It should be great. I'm psyched for some warm sun. Yeah. And then I come back, and then I'm going to be doing recording the audiobook of Playful Mindfulness. So cool. uh, it's going to be a big deal. So cool. Shooting for March 21 release date. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'll put it on my calendar. It's just crazy ambitious, but it's great. We'll see. Yeah. I don't have any big fun things coming. I do. I'm going to Nashville with my sister for just for fun. Nashville? Speaking of music, great you're music. Going and to Nashville? Love it. Yeah. And you're going to see some music while with you're there? My sister and her wife. Yeah. Well, I assume so. Okay. We're going to go to the Grand Ole Opry. Just sit there. See what there's a show there. There's a show. <laughs> Excuse me, do you have a ticket? Stand outside. Excuse me. Hello. Uh, yeah. That's exciting. That's the thing that's coming up in my life. While you while you are 
Oh, no, I guess it's just after you come back from Kayano. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Ships right. passing in the night. That's right. Almost, okay. Almost literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, to be continued, we, we don't know when the next one will be, but... Uh, Sometime. We'll ding few, it when it happens. A few weeks. We'll give you a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Till the next time. Bye, everyone. everybody thanks for joining us for that exploration of positive reinforcement i was really really glad that you're here yeah if we if we if there were a way to do it i'd like to like click or ding like you're still with us ding oh that's really sweet yeah we should put little easter eggs in the end of our in the end of our in the on our outros like some special bonus Ooh. that they get if they stick around wait so there you go that's that specific yeah. reinforcement nice uh well, I, we should do some plugging, but before that, how was how was your what was your experience like of that conversation, Ted? Uh, I just I love the topic, and I kind of said towards the end that sometimes I feel like I get in my head about it, and then other times my heart and my like my whole system gets energized. I miss having a dog. Like I'm not a dog guy; I'm a cat guy, right? But I miss having a dog, especially this dog Manny, because it was so fun to play with this stuff in a mm. very tangible way. You're telling me cats don't respond quite as well to it? Not as well. Not they as do, res- for sure, they do respond. Yeah. And, I, and I I had thought to mention that at one point I did punish my cat when my kitten was like jumping onto the, where the stove is. Yeah. I sat in the kitchen with a pot and a wooden spoon. And anytime she like started to move towards jumping up there, like bang, 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 yeah, bang, yeah, bang. Yeah. That it's was like a squirt bottle. Positive punishment. Like you look you look that like you're gonna jump that way, this is what happens. Yeah. Right. But playing with a dog, it's so rewarding. So when we got Manny, he was terrified of getting in the trunk of the car. Yeah. And eventually In the back. I mean it's not like you're putting him in the back. Hatchback. Yeah. So you're right. It feels important. <laughs> Good. Yeah. But eventually we like we bought a ramp and we trained him on flat ground to get comfortable putting his paw on the ramp. Yeah. And then to putting both his front paws on the ramp and then to getting on the ramp. Sweet. And then we put him up to one step so it was a little bit of an incline. We got him to walk up it and then two steps and this was more and more incline and eventually we put it next to the car and then now Manny loves getting in the car. Yeah, pretty cool. And and the relationship between him and us was that much stronger for it, right? So whenever I think about that and whenever I'm engaged in that, I just get so excited about this stuff again. Yeah. So I hope some of that came through and it wasn't just all like well, the heady like side. Well, you put your finger on something else which is important, which is transformation is possible. Yes. Which we didn't really talk no, about on the, in that conversation. But okay. it's very powerful to think, oh, with the right sort of incentive or reinforcement, I can become capable of things I am not currently capable yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Damn. That's so, something. That's kind of what I'm, I'm... I'm hoping that there was a taste of that in the conversation. Yeah. Cool. So, how about you? I liked it. This idea of redefining what your dings are. Like, wait, what am I going for? What 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 is actually the sign of my success regard, instead of just what is feel, what feels yeah. good in this moment feels really powerful. Great. Yeah. It is. I, I hope people will experiment. Like, encourage y'all listening to experiment. Try yeah. Stuff out. See what somebody in your life is doing that you want to reward and yeah, find some and see what the ding is for them and what's pleasing to them not necessarily what's pleasing to you yeah what will encourage them yeah um oh, along those lines yeah. i want to re- make reference to this book that we mentioned what shamu taught me about life love and marriage by amy sutherland cool lessons for people from animals and their trainers it's a really really great book or you awesome. can look up the new york times article awesome awesome um it has Shamu jumping through a wedding ring. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Anything Yo, to uh, plug? Yeah, a couple plugs. I'm. Uh, we're doing. Got some shows coming up. Valentine's Day show next mm. week is going to be next week, next Thursday. Valentine's Day show at Bats, and I'm also in the improvised romantic comedy on the 16th. So mm. if you want to come and hang out and see a show, come hang out and see a show. And for those of you listening to this podcast far in the future, this is 2019 that we're talking. 2019. Yeah. That's right. And for those of you who are far away, you just go do something that makes you feel good. <laughs> Reinforce on yourself. On Valentine's Day. Yeah. Reinforce yourself. <laughs> That's uh, right. Cool. Um, 
I don't really have a plug at this point. I, I mean, I have a class that starts on Tuesday the 19th. No, but it's a little too. That's kind of quick. Yeah. Uh, All right. You know, the right to speak, finding and freeing your natural voice. Great. Sounds great. 2019. This is 2019. Playfulmindfulness.info. All right. Go get out of here. Go live your life. Thank you for listening, everybody. Reinforce something. Reinforce the heck out of it. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you later. Bye.